Welcome to the Willow Ridge Sermons Podcast. This is where you can find audio from Sunday morning messages and more. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss future episodes, and thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Glad that you guys are here with us. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to join me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As we turn there, we do have our holiday kind of calendar cards uh, spread out on, on every row and every aisle here. I want to encourage you uh, to grab this and join us. Uh, there are a lot of things going on here in the month of December. Our women's ministry uh, just had their meeting this past Friday night and, and their, uh, uh, their favorite things party, um, and, and that was a wonderful time. Um, I, I, just, I, I would just share with you all, I, I heard that the speaker um, was absolutely phenomenal. And I think she's absolutely gorgeous, uh, as my wife came and, and shared uh, with the ladies as well. And just a wonderful, wonderful night, and I know many of you ladies were a part of that. But it's not stopping, it's not ending there. It's continuing on with a bunch of things. And so I want to make sure that you have this um, and, and, and make every effort to be a part of this with us. Also, as Pastor Dave said at the end of the service, we will be taking the Lord's Supper together. And so uh, if you're visiting here and you, you don't call Willow Ridge Church home um, and you would like to participate with us, uh, that's fine. This is for all believers. Uh, it's how we practice communion here at our church. And so at the very back here by the exit signs, uh, that's where our communion cups are. It's got the bread and it's got the juice right in there. And so you can go and you can grab one of those and it'll be the very last thing we do together as a church family. Well, before we get into the message, I want to kind of share uh, a little bit with you guys of some exciting things that are going on here um, in the life of our church. As you know, if you've been around Willow Ridge Church for a while, uh, we are going into budget season. And so every year we walk through a process. Uh, Joel uh, Van Hamel leads that with our, with our staff, meeting with myself, meeting with other ministry leads, uh, both paid and late leads, and walking through, piecing together the budget, then sits down with trustees and elders and, and lays out the plan uh, of what we feel like God's calling us to do in the next calendar year. Um, and God's been wonderful and God's been faithful uh, in, in what we've been able to, to, to come alongside and to do. Um, we've been able to expand a lot of things and to see a, a lot of things grow, uh, to see ministries take off and explode, to start new missions partnerships. In fact, we've got a team right now uh, who's in New York, uh, New York City. They are, they are uh, the, the group from South Carolina that's ended up walking the streets of New York. And so they're up there for Coats for the City with Pastor uh, Walter and his wife Veronica and ministering to the people there. Uh, yesterday, I got a report from the team that they saw four individuals come to faith in Jesus Christ through having conversations with them as they gave out um, uh, coats, but then also as Brent was giving out hot chocolate. If you've been around for any of our stuff, you know that's a whole ordeal. So we celebrate the fact that we've seen that. Um, and so we've seen a lot of things uh, grow. I want to encourage you to pray for them as they'll be traveling home later uh, this evening. But, but one of the things that, that you may not be aware of that I want to share with you is, is this. And this is something to celebrate as we celebrate what God has done, but specifically what God has done in the life of men and, and women and families and individuals as they've been committed to give and to give sacrificially to the Lord. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but most churches, I don't know, I don't have a percentage of those, but most churches have church debt. And when we, when we talk about church debt, we're not talking about credit card debt. Most uh, or almost all churches have a credit card system that gets paid off each month so that ministry can happen and do. But also they have a, a mortgage to pay for the building or, or buildings that they occupy. 
And over the course of the last several years, what we've done as a staff and as a leadership team of, of trustees and elders is we've determined to be very aggressive to attack the debt that we have. And as we aggressively attack the debt, as you sacrificially give, what we look for and what we long for is if we were to be a debt-free church, what could God do with the offerings, with the tithes, with the sacrifice if you were debt-free? And so uh, I, I don't know that I ever felt like I, I'd say this, but I can share with you that as of today, Willow Ridge Church is debt-free. And so I thank you. I thank you for every offering that you give and you're entrusting us under the accountability and the guidance of the Lord, of our trustees, of our elders, to do what you've called us to do. And that we can stand here today and say that seven years early that we've paid off our debt, right? So as we go into budget season, I want to invite you, as you leave today, as you walk through these two sets of double doors, you'll notice on the map of the world that we, we have there, we have offering envelopes, um, and, and if, you, if you want to give through, through cash or check, I want to encourage you to grab some of those, but then also beside that, we have our proposed budget for the following year. I'm not gonna sit here this morning and go through every number. We don't have the time, and you probably don't have the patience uh, to hear me do that. But as money was freed up, the total money basically for the mortgage that has been freed is $93,000. And several years ago, when Joel shared with me, like, hey, Bo, this is, this is what we're trending toward. This is what we're doing. We, we, we need to think of a plan. And so he and I and, and our staff, trustees, elders, we all began to pray. Like, what would we, what would we do with this? And so our church budget is, is, is broken down into to four categories. The, the, the first category that we have is our operations budget, right? And that's, that's paying for the fact that we've got lights on and that we have air conditioning that some of you think is too cold and we have air conditioning that some of you think is too hot. And we get, there's like one person in here that's satisfied with the temperature right now, all right? All right. And so that's what our operations comes from. That, that's, that's where our mortgage was placed before. We, we, we have personnel, right? We, we have staff members. Right? And we're so grateful to be able to say that not only do I have the privilege to be a part of Willow Ridge Church, not only do I have the privilege to serve at Willow Ridge Church, but you and your kindness and God in his goodness allows me to receive a salary and, and allows our staff to receive and, and to get paid. So we literally get, get paid to be a part of, of what God is doing here. And, and we don't hold that lightly. But I told him we have two other areas. And I said, man, when, when, we, when we go into this, this is what I, I would love to, to see us emphasize as we go forward. And all of these numbers are shared as you go back and you, you grab one of those budgets. But I said, I would love to see in, in the other two an, an emphasis in missions and in ministry. So here's how we define those two. Missions is anything that happens outside of the walls of this church and sometimes happens inside the walls of this church so that we can find men, women, and children who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and introduce him to them. So our ministry partners, both locally and globally, our missions outreach, all of those things that we do, they come out of our missions. But then our other one is ministry. 
that we believe that God calls us to minister to one another, to disciple one another, and that costs money, that takes time and, and talents to do this, and so we wanted to, to emphasize and, and put those forward. And you can go and you can look at all the numbers, but I want to share, I'm just going to share the increases, okay? I'm just going to share the increases this morning. And in our ministry increase this year through the faithfulness of, of you guys giving, we were able to increase our ministry budget $40,780. And our missions... In our missions, we were able to increase our missions budget, $65,900, right? Yeah, clap, yeah. And so if you're visiting today and you're like, man, this is all this guy talks about is just money, like we're, we're, we're done with the money. And we're not talking about money, we're talking about God. And we're celebrating all that God has done. And so on behalf of, of all of you, and, and, and I, I, I'll, I'll say this, I don't know what any of you give. Not a one. But, but I know that you give sacrificially, and we've seen the hand and work of God. And we celebrate that. And so we continue forward. So, so here's our, our budget schedule that we have for our church. Uh, our budget is made available this Sunday and, and the Sunday of the 10th, next Sunday. That's what we're required to do by our bylaws. And so you can go, you can pick up a copy. Uh, if you forget to pick up a copy, let us know. We'll get you a copy. On December the 13th at 7 p.m., that's a Wednesday night, the budget will be open for discussion. We'll, we'll host uh, a, a crew here. Joel and I will be there, um, and it's where you can come. We'll go over the budget in more detail and give you an opportunity to ask questions. If you have questions already and you don't want to wait till the 13th, we invite you to ask us those questions and, and ask, ask Joel. Uh, Joel's going to be the one that knows the most uh, about all of it, but, but if you've got a specific area and you're curious about uh, any of us as staff, I'm sure we can ask, answer your question or get you to the person uh, that can answer those questions. And then, and then lastly, on December 17th, uh, the budget will be voted on without discussion. That's a Sunday morning at the end of the service. We'll dismiss all of our guests and those who aren't members, and we will do a budget without discussion on that Sunday morning, all right? Um, and so we're just excited uh, to see. Uh, we, we, we've kind of never lived in, in, in this spot before uh, in my ministry. I've never been a part of church that's debt-free. And just excited to see all that God is going to do with this. Amen? All right. Well, this morning we are going to get started on our, on our series. We're, we're looking at a, a message series called The Gifts of Grace. As we enter into this Christmas season, I, I thought this would be an appropriate um, um, place for us to look at and acknowledge that in our walk with Christ, we get things and then we're called to give things. And so we, we looked at John 3, 16 through, through 17. It's kind of our, our focus of this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God gives us Jesus with a point and with a purpose, right? That people, men, women, and children would come to the saving grace grace of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But not only that, of, of Jesus, you and I are, are given many gifts. Last week we talked about forgiveness and that in Christ that we are forgiven and we talked about what it means to be forgiven, but then also within that, that you and I are called to be people of forgiveness. Like at least three times that we looked at in the New Testament, it says to forgive as you have been forgiven, right? So there's a, there's a pretty good standard of, of what we're given that we 
we are supposed to do. And now while you and I, we cannot forgive someone's sins the way that Jesus does, right? Like we can't say you are forgiven eternal life, all that kind of stuff, right? Like we are, that's not who we are. That's not what we're capable of. We are called to forgive individuals who sin against us. And so someone hurts us, someone brings calamity into our lives, someone persecutes us. The Bible is very clear that we are called to forgive them. And that's what we looked at last week. The gift that we're going to look at this morning is, is the gift of community. The gift of community. And so what is community? Well, biblical community at its most basic and broadest levels is the community of the followers of Jesus, the, the global church. So we, we span out across denominational lines. We scan out across nations and borders. We span out across languages that other fellow brothers and, and sisters in Christ, all believers everywhere, right, are our brothers and sisters, the community of God. But then what we see in Scripture is this narrowing down of what we see as we look at the global church, and then we become more forward. So we begin with all believers everywhere, but, but even in Scripture, we, we, we narrow that down to all believers denominationally. And so what's what we see in the book of Acts is where uh, different individuals, they partner together for the mission and the spreading of the gospel, but not everybody partners together. And so largely within our denomination, we use this phrase called cooperation, and that's what we do. We're looking to cooperate with one another, not to make sure we have the same worship style, not to make sure that the pastor wears the same type of clothes on Sundays, not uh, any of those things, but we cooperate together so that men, women, and children can have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So like right now in Coats for the City, there, there's, there's dozens of South Carolina Baptist churches who left South Carolina to go up to New York so that we could partner with each other, but partner with New York Metro Baptist Association churches for the work of the gospel. And so the individuals that came to faith in Christ yesterday may never darken the door of our church, but not only is that okay, but we celebrate that because we're partnered with other churches that are there. And so we look at denominationally. We look at all believers locally. All believers locally. So we understand that it's not competition. We understand that we're working together. We understand and we stop trying to steal other church members from other churches just to make sure that we can have more people here. Now, does God work and does God move people? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we understand that locally that we've come together for, for a purpose and for a, a reason to, to pray for and to see that we're reaching this unique area of where God has placed us. And so thousands upon thousands of believers here in the Lexington area. We understand that we partner, that all believers in, in partnerships, so we begin to narrow that down, right? That's part of what we looked at when we, when we looked at our missions night, and I hope you had the opportunity to be a part of that, but, but a wonderful gathering of we are forming official partnerships with, with organizations like Black Mountains Children's Home. We're, we're forming partnerships with individuals like Sam John, like Walter Valencia. Like Daryl Cheek, we're, we're partnering within one another. So while we may be scattered here locally, or we're partnered all over the globe, that we're working for a commonality and we're working for the good of that. And when you look through the budget, you'll see a greater emphasis has been placed on these partnerships. But we also look at all believers congregationally. All right, and that's community. And that's us. That's us, right? We are that weird group of people. 
that have partnered together for the work of the gospel with all of our bumps and bruises and warts and scars of how God wants to use us for his name and his glory. And so we invest into one another. We get to know one another. We, we love one another. And this is why we call this particular church home. But then we look at all believers, and this is the last part, all, all believers relationally. That we understand that even gathered in this room, right? Like we can't form the depth of relationship that we need. And so we focus in on small groups. We focus in on studies. We do things like the women's ministry gatherings and the men's ministry gatherings in these times so that we can deep down in and dive into relationship with one another. So like for me, I've got a group of men. There's eight of us that meet together on Thursdays for lunch at, at, at the old mill, the, the Creekside restaurant. That's where it's called, Creekside restaurant, right? And we're working through experiencing God together and eating fried chicken at the same time. And it's just wonderful, right? And God's in both of those, fried chicken and experiencing God. And so we, we, we do these things and we invest into one another's lives. And so we see this, this depth of community. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 1, we see this depth of community that Paul is going to communicate to the church at Thessalonica. Chapter 2, verse 1, for you yourselves know brothers that are coming to you was not in vain. Now, I'm not going to go through and, 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 and read through all of the things, but there's some things that Paul speaks through over the course of 1 Thessalonians that point to Paul's loving relationship with this church and their loving relationship with him. Number one, Paul writes them, all right? Paul, Paul writes them. I don't know if you've written a letter. Um, I've, I've written letters before. Now I think we just send text messages, right? But, but I've written a letter before, but my letter ain't, ain't, ain't like this. And it wasn't dropped in the mailbox, so we see the, the, the depth of what Paul, as he, as he writes them, chapter 1, solely talks about his thankfulness for him, for them. They know his story, and, and he knows theirs. Paul has, has been with them. There's a level of, of relational intimacy that is shared. And, and Paul refers to them as affectionately as, as brothers. And this word brother means the one born of the same womb. Obviously, all of these men and women did not share the same earthly mother that Paul had, but the womb of the gospel and the commonality that we, that we find there. So, so here's what I want to ask you as we, as we look at this, we talk about community and that we've been given the gift of community re received. When it comes to your walk with Jesus, do you have those in your life who are spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters? Do you have spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters? Or do you have a bunch of casual acquaintances? Paul writes in Romans 12, 9 through 13. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in serving and showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul writes to the church at Rome and challenges this within the body of believers who were there, that this is the level of relationship that you have. And here's what I want to impress 
on you is this. You cannot live in the fullness of what God has for you if spiritually speaking, Romans 12, 9 through 13 is not seen in your life. You have to have a group of men and women and others who invest in you. And it's a gift from God that you have this and you so desperately need it. Four questions if you're like, well, I, I think I have that. I think I have that. I, I wanna ask you four questions and, and these four questions are not gonna be, are you part of a study or part of a small group? They're not gonna be a part of that. Because while I want you to get connected in a study or a small group, this message is not a push to get you to do more things. N number one is this. Do you, have fellowship, uh, do you have fellowship with Christians in your life who ask you the hard questions and who you're honest with? You and I have a lot of people that ask us how our week was and have a lot of people that our answer is fine, good, okay. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you have a group of fellow Christians in your life who know you to the depth that they do and they ask you the hard questions and then more so, and this is the answer that only you can answer, are you honest with them? And if you're not honest with them, you don't have community. Number two, do you have fellow Christians in your life who feel what you feel? who feel what you feel. The Bible calls us to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. That we feel what they feel. As a parent feels the hurt of their child, as a spouse feels the hurt of the other spouse, as we share in the joy that one experiences. Do you have individuals in your life who feel what you feel. Number, number three, do you have fellow Christians in your life who delight in your growth in the Lord? They delight in your growth with the Lord. I've got a group of pastors and we, we meet once a month um, together here at our church. And, and, and they're all local. Um, they're all part of our association with us. And one of the things that I think has been interesting is, is we all know about the growing pains of, of church. We know that sometimes we walk through difficult seasons, but what's been really encouraging to see over the last three, four, or five months is in us when someone comes in and, and says, man, I had a great Sunday. Let me tell you what happened. And to watch the expressions of the faces not be like, man, I wish I had that but be smiles of rejoicing with our brother in Christ? Do you have fellow Christians in your life who delight in your growth in the Lord? And, and number four, do you have fellow Christians in your life who consistently pray for you? They pray for you. I'm not talking about like when you give your prayer request. And so they make note of that. I'm talking about when they have their quiet time, you're on their list. They might not even know what to pray, but they trust in the guidance of the Spirit to pray for you. They're praying for you. Folks, if I could strip biblical community down to its base level, it would be that it's men and women who are willing to ask each other hard questions and be honest with. 
It's men and women who share and rejoice and they partner in the pain of life with one another. It's men and women who desire not only to see their personal growth in the Lord, but they desire to see others' growth in the Lord as well. And it's men and women who, even though they don't know what the request is, they pray for one another diligently and consistently. Do you have that? Do you have that? One of the most selfish positions we can say as a Christian is this statement. I don't need community. I don't need community. Because we've, we've misunderstood it. We've thought it's just for us. But the next thing that we're going to look at in Thessalonians is, is the gift of community given. Gift of community given. When you're invited into a, 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 a study, when you're invited into community, when somebody says, let's do life together, what, what they're saying to you is, I've received this, I want to give this away. And we are entering into a relationship that's beyond like master, teacher, and student, that we're entering into a relationship with, between a brother in Christ, or between a sister in Christ, where we are investing in one another. And I don't know about you, but, but to have an, a relationship where it's just one person is not a relationship. That's a crazy person talking to themselves. And we need one another back and forth. Let, let's look at what Paul says. We're going we're to start in verse 2 and read through verse 12. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we have boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for, for greed, God is witness, nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become very dear to us, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that you might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And this is what it looks like to invest in others in biblical community. My group that meets on Thursdays, all right, we, we talk sports. All of us are okay because none of our teams won or lost yesterday, right? They didn't play. 
We talk about our lives. We talk about our families. We talk about our hobbies. We have time of, of real life impactful things. But we're, we're not a good old boys club. We're not an Oprah Winfrey book club. And we're not a Dr. Phil, here's just how to feel better about who you are. Because that's not what biblical community is. When, when, when we look down in what we see, Paul says, let's don't confuse the gathering of individuals who say that they're believers, but who don't deal with the things of the Lord. As primary. As primary. Right? Things that we see from this passage of Scripture that Paul shares in community with this church is Paul's community is gospel-centered. It's gospel-centered. He's like, look, look, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of these quotes from this. He says, look, we're, we're not here to please man, but here to please God. So we're not going to tickle your ears with what you want to say. We're going to be here to be a gospel-centered community because it's our hope that if you don't know Jesus Christ as, their Lord, as your Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that you take that step of faith. But if you do, if you do, that you understand that God loves you too much to save you and then leave you right where you are. And so we want to walk alongside that it's gospel-centered. Number two, Paul's community is truth-centered. It's truth-centered. I love his words. We, we never came with words of flattery. <laughs> Paul's like, look, I'm not here to give you a sales pitch. I'm not here to be inauthentic with you. And here's the deal, and I don't want you to be that way with me. We're here to deal with the truth of God's word, the truth of our lives, the truth of scripture, and we're not here for simple words of flattery. We're here for the truth. Third, Paul's community was authentic and sacrificial. Paul says we, we do not seek glory from people or from you. Look, this is who we are. We're not trying to sell ourselves to something better than, than, than we are. And, and then he says, and we desire to not only share the gospel, but ourselves. Hmm. So Paul says it's not only just the gospel that we, we share, but it's, it's our life. It's our life. It's our investment. Not for Paul, but for us. It's a phone call, a text message, a visit. It's a burden that we share. Number, number four, Paul's community was spiritually sensitive. I, I love the illustration. I love the illustration. Paul says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her children. All right. That to me is not a verse that says, let me beat you upside the head with the gospel. That's a picture that says to me that there's some of us 
who are babes in Christ. And what we need to do is care for you like a nursing mother cares for her children. The beautiful picture of what God gives us as we see a mother loving a child to the point where his or her life, their growth is dependent on what she can give. Do we say hard things? Sure. Do we confront? Absolutely. But it's not done with an attitude. And I've been there, done that, watched it, and been a part of it. Oh, we got you. It's not that. It's here's what the Lord has for you. Number five, Paul's community was, was led by example. Paul's community was led by example. This is a bold statement that Paul says. He says, how righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you. Mm. So what Paul is, is, is doing, what Paul is saying, Paul's, Paul's already established, he's authentic. But Paul in his walk with the Lord is permanent and is in front of them. And his hope is that what they see is a man maturing in Christ and they see the righteousness of what Paul is doing because he walks in the power of the Spirit. But it's not just for him. Paul's community was challenging. He says, we exhorted each one of you and encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of God. We walk in a manner worthy of God. All of us. The babes in Christ. The mature in Christ. And everyone in between. And here's what's cool about community. We get to join hands and do it together. We get to join hands and do it together. So we receive this gift, this, this gift of community received and this gift of community given. What stops you from this? What stops you from this? If you're like, I don't know, I'm going to share with you in my 20 plus years of ministry experience, very quickly, five excuses, not justifiable reasons, but five excuses that people give of why they don't need others like this in their life. Excuse number one, the excuse of busy. The excuse of busy. All right, we're all busy. Right, I get that. Some of us at varying degrees of busyness. One of the most beautiful, expensive things that God's given me is for my kid to get driver's licenses. It's expensive, but I ain't got car line, you know? We find the excuse of busy. Let me just say this. Here's what I believe. You're only as busy as you will allow yourself to be. And if you need help finding some margin in your day, let's have a talk. And I'll help you, and, and you can help me walk away from the excuse of, of busy. Number, number two is the excuse of privacy. The excuse of privacy. Well, well, Bo, my relationship with the Lord 
is personal and private. Okay, your relationship with the Lord is personal. And number two, it's never been called to be private. That's the journey we go on as believers. That's why when we prayed for, for Kate, that her, her journey is not to sit back and say, well, now that I've done this, look at what I can, look what I've become, look at who I am. But now that she's followed through with this and the testimony of public before others, it's how can I go share my life with others so that they can come into Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm not saying everybody at all times needs to know all your business. But you do have to have someone or some people in your life who can ask you the hard questions and who you're honest with. Number three, the excuse of family. The excuse of family. All right? Um, It's no secret. I, I love my wife. I love my kids. I'm so blessed with the family that we have. We share things. Aaron and I talked about one day, this was a couple months ago, we're like the level of transparency that is happening between us and our kids, sometimes I'm uncomfortable with, but I love it. I love it. They tell us things. We tell them things. We, we talk. But here's the deal. Aaron and my kids do not need to be the only individuals that carry my burden. And they do not need to be, I do not need to be the only individual who carries theirs. I need other men in my life that can speak the truth and the hope of the gospel to me, that confront me. In the right context, I need godly women in my life who can help me see and understand my wife from her perspective that I I can't oftentimes because I'm not her but when we use the excuse of our family, oftentimes the gospel never goes past our front door. Number four, the excuse of the past. The excuse of the past. If we were to show our hands in this room of those who have been hurt by a church, hurt by a Bible study, hurt by a Sunday school class, hurt by a small group experience, or had a negative encounter with one of those, there would be a bunch of hands up in the air. And what we've done that we talked about last week is we've forgotten to forgive and we've held on to a grudge. We've held on to a grudge. And we're not living how God has for us. And, and then the, the fifth, this is, this is the last one, is the excuse of arrogance. I was talking to a guy one day, he doesn't go here, um, and, and we, were, we, were, we were talking about um, discipleship and community. And he asked me how old I was. I told him I was 44. Is that right? I said I was 44. I said I've been a believer for about 22 years, half my life. And he said, Bo, I've been a believer for about 60 years now. Never a point in time in my life that I don't ever remember being a follower of Jesus. And and I've just come to tell you that I've sat through Sunday school classes and Bible studies. I've sat through small groups and men's studies and all the different ones that churches can come up with. And I said, and not one time have I felt like I've walked away with anything that can help me grow in my walk with Jesus. 
And I thought, what a sad and selfish statement. What a sad and selfish statement that you think this is all about you. And so you're willing to walk away from them. I want to challenge you to take a step. New Year's is coming, right? I hope you're, you're putting on the pounds during the month of December so that we can all hit the gym in the month of January, right? That's it. We'll be running wind sprints every Monday and Wednesday here at the church after you do that, right? right. But we're, 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 if you're not already, right, you're probably that group of people that's decided, man, the first of the year I'm going to do some things different. I'm going to be better. Less Netflix, more time in the Word. Less eating Krispy Kreme donuts, more eating things that don't taste good, right? Starting to think through things different. I'll get there. It won't last <laughs> for the Krispy Kremes, right? Manna from heaven. Um, but I, if, if, if this is you, and, and you look at that and you're like, hey, hey, I don't, I don't have that in my life. I, I don't have that in my life. I want to challenge you in one of four areas, all right? Number one, I want to challenge you for a relational small group. Whether you've been in one or not, we've got them on Sunday morning, we've got them on different nights, we've got them on Sunday nights, we've got them on other days of the week. I want to challenge you to be part of of a relational small group. Number two, if you're like, man, that's just, that's jumping in the deep end for me, I'm not ready for that, cool. Cool. We've got church studies that Pastor Dave's going to be talking about. We're already looking for our next uh, semester of what comes forward and starts in January, and we're excited to see the, all that God is going to do that. want want to press into you to do that. You're like, man, Bo, I, I don't even know about that. Okay, well, cool. Then there's number three. Number three is we're going to have some more church events. We want to invite you the opportunity to just come alongside, rub shoulders, rub elbows, get to know one another. Stop just being somebody that walks in here on Sunday mornings and doesn't know anybody who's here. Come to some of these things. Come to some of these things. Like, we're busy, you're busy. This is not put together to entertain you or to entertain us. This is put together because we're a family and we need to know each other and we need to love one another. And then this, when you come to this, don't just sit down with the same six people you sat with last week. Take a step for what God has. And, and number four, and this is the last one. You're like, Bo, you talked about that big church. And I got neighbors, and I got coworkers, and I've got things here. But, but, but what if I wanted to reach out there? Here's what I want to challenge you with. Maybe God is calling you to develop community right where you are. Maybe right where you are. This is, this is going to seem weird. Maybe in, instead of engaging in a small group here, Maybe instead of engaging in a, in a study here, what does fit in the busyness of your life is to engage with that there. And, and then here's the deal. If that's you, you don't need to do that on your own. We want to do that with you. And we want to celebrate you. And we want to challenge you as you do that. So you may feel led to start one right there in your cul-de-sac. You may feel led to start one right there during your lunch break. How arrogant of us to think that community can only happen here. 
And so we want to help you. Would you be willing to take that step? In just a moment, I'll pray. After my time of prayer, the worship team will come up on stage, lead us in a song. After that, we will partake in the Lord's Supper together as we close our time together. As I said before, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whether this is your church home or not, we invite you to take this with us. As we enter into this time of worship, what we would ask of you is under the dependence of the Holy Spirit, you would evaluate your heart for the readiness to partake in the Lord's Supper with us. That you would check your heart for any unrepentant sin that you may have, and in that moment, confess those sins, repent of them before the Lord. Secondly, that you would check your heart in relationships with other believers and ask yourself, do I need to forgive someone or is there someone that I need to seek forgiveness from? And maybe today, as we take this together, is not the right time for you, and that's okay, there's no judgment. We just want you to do as the Lord is calling you and is leading you. Would you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this wonderful time and opportunity that we have here. Lord, I pray for deep layers of community that scan across small groups and studies into neighborhoods, into workplaces. Lord, I pray that we would see that you give us community. You call us into this. It's a gift Lord, when I got saved, I went from having one earthly sister, one, to brothers and sisters in Christ, too numerous to count. And Lord, I need them, and they need me, because we're family. We're family. God, under the calling and the guidance of your spirit, pray that we'd be obedient to take the step that you've called us to take. Lord, may we lay down our excuses and may we seek to be obedient in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. And be sure to check back next week for another episode. In the meantime, you can visit us at willowridgechurch.org or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.